0: You have to be very, very intentional to get the results that you want because it's not going to happen by accident.
1: You're listening to The Maker Podcast, a truly global portrait
2: of the art of life. I'm on another level. This fire that I speak. Got me wrestling it down. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. This fire that I speak. Got me wrestling it down.
0: Hello, are you there? Hey there? Hey, Rob. I'm here, Rob. Doing well, yourself?
1: I'm really well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Maker Podcast.
0: Oh, of course, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be asked.
1: We're thrilled to have you with us. We've just got a few questions on our mind, and we know that we missed the Financial Awareness Month, which was April. We tried to get you in, but we almost got you, but not quite.
0: Uh, no sweat. People need this information all the time.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, would you mind backing up for us and just giving us a little bit of the information about where you were born and raised?
0: Yeah, sure. I'm I'm born and raised uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. So, I'm definitely a Steeler fan. Uh, Blue collar town and city, but um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's where my roots are.
1: Okay. And in terms of your education, both formal and informal, what was that like for you?
0: Uh, I studied engineering at the University of Pittsburgh, um, and then I got my MBA at uh, Carnegie Mellon, which is also in Pittsburgh.
1: Okay. And in terms of the actual focus on finance, how did you get interested in finance?
0: So, um, you know, I've always sort of had this entrepreneurial uh, spirit. And so even when I was young, I, I, started a store out of our house because our, our house was, you know, people had to walk past our house to go to the pool in the neighborhood. So I sold pizza, and popcorn and juice and things like that right out of our house. And so I, you know, I always had this sort of entrepreneurial spirit, but I was also good at math and, and wanted to do some things that were technical, and so I originally wanted to be an architect um, that evolved into engineering, and so I studied in industrial engineering at Pitt, and I did IT consulting for a while, but when I, when I decided to go back to get my MBA, you know, I, I did it At that point, I decided I didn't want to be the techie guy forever. What I noticed was that, you know, the people who were successful in the firm that I worked at, I worked for Deloitte Consulting, which is one of the largest professional services firms in the world, and the people who were really successful were the folks that were going out, bringing in new clients, building business, so on and so forth, and and I just didn't want to be pigeonholed as the techie guy. So, as I got my MBA, I explored some different things, and then my interest changed, um, a little bit. So I did some internships in investment banking. I interned for a financial advisor um, also while I was in business school. And, um, you know, when 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 I was exposed to the financial industry, for me, I thought it was a good best of both worlds that I could
1: do good for people right. and I could do well for myself at the same time. Sure. I never thought those two things need to be mutually exclusive. And, um, you know, it's kind of worked out so far. Excellent. Okay. And in terms of the specific clientele that you have, it's been said that you are known as the hip hop financial advisor and sometimes people call you Bobby De Niro. What's that about? So, you know, my
0: friends sort of started calling me that because, um, you know, I've I've built up a good business working with young professional athletes um, and entertainers. And so it was kind of comment on a slide one day, it's like, man, you're like hip hop's financial advisor. And then, you know, it just just sort of stuck because look, I'm not your grandfather's financial advisor. I, you know, think that I identify with, but also speak to, you know, a younger generation of people for whom maybe the same economic models That work for our parents and grandparents don't necessarily work any longer so you know i'm able to communicate with them in such a way um, that they can figure out what works now um, and they can take action to you know both you know create uh grow and then uh protect the wealth that they've been able to accumulate
1: right that makes sense so in terms of patterns you know doing what people did who came before you there are a series of patterns in life. What are some of the patterns that you see that create financial illiteracy? Um, you know, I'm one of these folks that didn't grow up talking
0: about money at the dinner table. And so if you, if your parents were in a position or for one reason or another didn't teach you about money and then so you grow up not knowing much about money and being afraid to try new things, uh, being afraid to, to invest, being afraid to take steps in the business, so on and so forth. And that continues t- you know, to perpetuate itself throughout multiple generations. And so um, that's the difficult part. But you know, when I was in college, I started to get interested in this financial thing because while I was there, it was sort of the dot-com bubble. And so I was reading all of these articles about all of these folks making money in the stock market and tech stocks and so on and so forth. And I said, look, I I need to figure this out. I want to know what all of these people are up to. And so it was my curiosity. That led me to study more about it and, you know, take some risks and try some things and, you know, lose some money, but, but, but learn. And then over time, I, you know, I got much better about it. But I I think the the overall pattern that I see is that, you know, when you don't have someone teaching you that when you're young, um, it's difficult to acquire those skills later on. I see. Is it, is it difficult,
1: but not impossible? Can it come at any time?
0: Of course, it can. Definitely not impossible. Um, You know, the information is is now there for people who want to get it. I mean, you know, the the internet is the gift and the curse. You know, everything's out there, but also can feel like drinking from a fire hose as
1: well. But, you know, if you desire the knowledge, if you desire the information, it it is there for you. I got you. Okay. So in in one of your interviews, I heard you use the acronym WAIT, which for you was Who Am I to? So it sounds like it's something to do with self worth or something like that. Can you expound on yeah. that for us? Yeah, what, what I've seen is that people who haven't achieved the level of success that, that they feel like they should or that they want
0: to, it's because, you know, not because they're just sort of lazy uh, or they're procrastinating. Um, it's because they are asking themselves, who am I to? It's sort of, you know, who am I to have that great job? Who am I to get that promotion? Who am I to have a million dollars in the bank? Who am I to have the the, the nice house and so on and so forth? Um, And so, you know, if you don't believe that you deserve it, no one else is going to believe it either. And so that, again, because we're in an era where the, the middleman has been taken away, through a lot of things. I mean, opportunity, it's difficult for people to keep opportunity from you, um, in a, in a large degree, but for a lot of us, we're our own worst enemy. Right. And so, you know, I think if we can get over that, um, then a lot of things that we want in life are sort of waiting on the other side.
1: I got you. So then the emotional and the psychological trauma do have an impact on financial distress.
0: What was that? Say that
1: again. In terms of emotional and psychological trauma, it can have an impact on the financial distress that people find themselves in. in terms oh, no question. No question. Money is very, very emotional. Um, you know, we think it's numbers
0: and we think it's just black and white. Um, but it's, it's very, very emotional whether it comes to asking for a promotion at your job or deciding to, um, invest in, you know, a certain stock or a different company, uh, emotions play a major, major role, uh, when it comes to money. And so it's not something that we can, um, We can't really divorce the two. We have to acknowledge that and uh, find ways uh, to to deal with it so that we can be financially successful.
1: Sure. I understand. I understand. You often say if you're not intentionally trying to get wealthy, you'll end up accidentally poor. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, that's one of my um, favorite quotes uh, in my new book that
0: I just released. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, in in my experience, people's... Biggest problem when it comes to their finances isn't, you know, I don't know what to invest in or should I invest in company A versus company B. That's not their problem. The, the biggest problem that I see is that people have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. You know, 95% of the people who come to talk to me about their finances and I go, well, what are you trying to accomplish? How much do you want to accumulate by the time you retire? They have literally no answer. And so, If you don't know where you're trying to get to, how can you ever put a proper plan in place? I mean, a GPS cannot help you if you do not put in a destination, you know? And so, you know, my thing is that people think that this is going to happen by accident, that they're going to wake up one day and all of a sudden their financial situation has just somehow taken care of itself. Um, that is it's not going to happen that way. And so um, that, that is sort of my call to arms um, to say, look, if, if you're not intentionally trying to do this, you'll likely accidentally get the opposite result. You didn't mean for that to happen, but you didn't intentionally do the other thing. And, and the way I, I, I try to make it make sense is by replacing some words. If you're not intentionally trying to get healthy, you'll likely end up accidentally sick. You didn't mean to get sick, but you also didn't exercise, get enough sleep, eat healthy, take your medicine, go see the doctor, those sorts of things. Um, If you're not intentionally trying to help a great relationship or marriage, you'll likely end up accidentally single or divorced. You know, you didn't go into it meaning for that to happen, but you also didn't spend – the sort of time that you needed to with with your maid, treat them well, um, those sorts of things. And so it, it's like that with a lot of areas in our life. Uh, you have to be very, very intentional to get the results that you want because it's not going to happen by accident. Right. So
1: everything has to have a, a concrete plan and a strategy at the end of the day.
0: It's 100%. You have to put a plan in place. You have to be structured. You have to review it um, periodically.
1: The people who are successful are, are doing these things every single day. I got you. Okay. So, another thing in an interview on Hustle and Heart TV, I heard you say that careers are largely gone and that everyone is their own business. Do you still have that belief?
0: I do. I think everyone is their own business owner, regardless of whether they feel like they're an entrepreneur or not. You know, you think about it, you're already the CEO, CFO, COO of you incorporated. Um, You are running your own business. The, The problem that most people have, though, or that they run into is that they're a business with only one customer meaning your job or your boss. And, and unfortunately, a business with only one customer can be out of business tomorrow. Um, anytime you have someone else signing your check, they can decide to stop signing that check tomorrow, and so what? What are you left to do? Versus a business who has many different customers. While you may not want to lose any one individual customer, um, it's not going to stretch your entire business down if that happens. And so, I, I what I want people to think about is how can you not be reliant on one source for your entire financial well-being that's a lot of power to put in somebody else's hand and we've seen how people's lives can get turned upside down um when some of those folks decide to stop writing that check
1: absolutely absolutely in terms of like gm um, ford all those companies that our parents used to work for when they went out of business that shook up entire lifestyles yeah, it sure, it sure did. And that and that
0: same scenario has been repeated throughout history. You know, we saw a lot of people who were in banking and had very, very highly coveted jobs that everybody wanted and that they were so proud to have. And then they woke up one day and then their bank was no longer in business. And so it can happen at any time to any person, no matter how great of a job you feel like you have today.
1: Yeah. So then I'm hearing diversification is another big tip. Diversify. Yeah, I mean, you have to diversify your investments. You don't want
0: all of your eggs in one basket, but also you have to diversify your income sources. So, you know, even if you're going to have an employer, sure, have your employer, but have some, you know, investments in stocks and bonds. You want to have some real estate. You maybe want to have a side business um, that you're also monetizing so that if any one of them goes away or is struggling for a little while, you know that those other sources uh, can, you know, keep you afloat while things recover.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what you're giving us now is information that is sort of new to this generation. Most of us of our age didn't have parents who talk the way you're talking now, but your parents and some of your teachers for sure gave you some data that made you the man you are today. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of role models in people's lives? Because I know you have a, something called best kept secret.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that have allow me to be successful is that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to a lot of different things at a very young age, um, right or wrong, you know, because I do feel like that we tend to start to decide who's going to be successful and who isn't um, in elementary school, which I think is a bit short-sighted, but, you know, I was fortunate enough to have some very great experience and get exposed to a lot of different things. And so that opened up my view of what was possible for me Um, and I think a lot of people who don't have that exposure feel like a lot of opportunities either aren't available to them or they don't even know what those opportunities are because they've never seen you can't dream about things that you've never seen before Um, but I do think that if you expose people, if you if you show them what a path is, then they'll, they'll figure out the rest of the way how, how they can get themselves down that path. But without having any knowledge of it, any exposure, seeing anyone who looks like you who has done some, something similar to what you might want to do, um, it's difficult to blaze that trail on your own. So, you know, my, my role models, uh, you know, have been so important in my life from elementary school, you know, having teachers that, made me know that they expected something from me this did i
1: lose you you did indeed i think you must have gotten a phone call okay sorry that's all right um you were talking yeah about, there was a call um, coming in yeah you were talking to us about role models and the importance of role models in your own life and that you've been exposed to some interesting things both good bad and indifferent and, and but it, it helped shape you into the man that you are today is essentially what you were saying
0: yeah, yeah, they—they've been very instrumental, you know, having the exposure, but having them also um, let me know that things were expected of me, that they expected me to do, you know, great things, and, and, and one of my greatest fears even to this day is is not having lived up to my potential. So, you know, they made me feel like I was smart and I was special. I don't know if they were lying or not, but
1: I believed it. Right. And, you know, it's something that I I still carry with me today. I got you. Okay. So in terms of your own program now, your own mentoring program, uh, BKS, Best Kept Secret, can you walk us through the genesis of BKS?
0: Yeah. So I put that together because when I would go talk to kids – you know one of the things that they would fixate on is oh you work with pro athletes what kind of car do they drive what houses do they live in so on and so forth but, and and my thing was listen um I wanted them to know that, sure, if you want to be an athlete, I don't want to try to crush your dreams, but there are so many other people out here living fabulous lives who don't do anything with a ball or a stage that, you know, I wanted them to know that they had so many more options available to them. Um, But again, those were folks who didn't necessarily have this in their everyday lives. So I wanted to be able to take some kids out of school for a day, put them on a bus and take them around the city so that they could see people who look like them, sound like them, and, you know, came from... From similar circumstances that they come from, to see them actually in their environment, in the flesh, um, and, and, and showcasing the success that they've been able to achieve. And so uh, it's been a really powerful program to uh, get these kids into an environment that they had no knowledge of, to see, and, and you can almost see in real time, how their minds start to race with, with, with understanding what, what might be possible for them in the future. And so, um, you know, it's difficult for them to get to exposure. So, you know, I'm trying to do my part. Okay, that makes a lot
1: of sense because it's almost a subliminal message, just the fact that you are in the financial services industry and you're having that conversation with them and you look like them and you're coming from where they came from, that's already step number one. That's how I found you, by the way. Oh, really? Absolutely. <laughs> by watching oh. one of your your videos. I think it might have been your first video with BKS. I'm not sure, but it was... Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. A charter school. Yes. You're taking the kids all over town, showing them a restaurant, exactly. a nice house. Exactly. And you're just kind of hanging out, you know, doing what you do. I thought that was brilliant. Thank you. Thank like, you so much. Like a I appreciate Wars. you saying that. Trojan horse. I love it. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yep. Not lost on me at all. So um, just two more things. Could you please give us three tips that my listeners could use right now today to begin to tackle controlling their finances? Three simple so, things.
0: Yep, yep. So the first thing that you have to do in terms of being intentional about it is that you have to spend time on it. You know, we spend time on a lot of things, watching Netflix, (laughs) other things that aren't, you know, really helping us in our lives. I understand that we can't be working on things 24 hours a day, but if you can't at least spend 30 minutes a week on your finances, then you just really, I don't think, care about it. And so uh, I, I suggest people carve out 30 minutes a week to go over your, finances, go over your bank statements, go over your investments, go over your goals. Are you on track or are you not? But spend time with this stuff because, again, it's not just going to um, automatically happen. A million dollars just isn't going to magically appear in your bank account one day. And I think along those lines, the next thing that I would say is, You really have to start budgeting your time in a similar way that you would be budgeting your money. So, for example, if you sit down and you look at your finances and you say, well, one of the things I think that would help me take things to the next level is if I wrote a book. But if I sit down and then I look at your calendar and there's zero time blocked off in your calendar to actually sit down and write, Mm -hmm. guess what? The the book's not going to write itself, you know. Mm. If you want to get in shape, there better be time for you to go to the gym. There better be time to go shop for healthy food, prep, all of those sorts of things. Um, If you want to get better at your work. Uh, there, there, there better be time for you to start to study and and increase your skill set. So, you you know, time is one of your most valuable assets. It's a, it's a resource that you can't get back once it's gone. Yes. So you have to protect it very, very tightly. So I would say that I want people to um, budget their time as much as they budget their money. And then the, the next thing that I would say, you know, for the third tip is that um, you you absolutely want to have your money making money for you. Uh, while you're asleep and so people need to get invested whether they feel like their parents taught them or not it's time for people to take control of that and the easiest way for people to do that in my opinion is to start investing in what you know don't start putting your money into something that you saw on tv or people were talking about the barbershop because that's the fastest way that you lose money but if you go through your bank account and you look through the top 20 places that you spend money over and over again, I guarantee you that at least 10 of those companies will be publicly traded. Now, so of those 10, you use that as your short list for companies that you might want to invest in. Now, I want to be clear, just because you know it or spend money doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a great investment. We all spent money at Blockbuster Mm. um, and Blockbuster is out of business now, right? Right. So it doesn't automatically mean it's going to be good, but... That's your short list, and at least because you know the business, you go there, you consume the products, so on and so forth, you'll be more intimate with whether they're doing a good job or a bad job. and You can do some more research and decide if you actually want to invest, but that's the best way that I know to start with companies that you're actually familiar with and, and consider putting some
1: money in as an investor instead of just buying the product all the time got it. Those are perfect tips. I'm going to make sure to pull them out and put them up on the website so they're easy to access. And in terms of spending time to write a book, there's no way I can stop this podcast without congratulating you on two things. And the first thing that I have to say is that we just want to congratulate you on all the the fine work you've been doing over the years, just in general. That's one thing. The other thing is the new book, Secure the Bag. Congratulations on the release of your book.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
1: Very much so. Very much so. So in terms of the the meaning behind the title, what is the meaning behind the title for you? Yeah, so you know a lot of the uh, the the young folks when they when they're referring to
0: you know getting money, being successful, so on and so forth, they're talking about you know securing the bag. And so to me, again, it's it's sort of a call to arms to say that if you really want to do that, versus just saying it or singing along with your favorite artist in the song. If you really want to secure the bag and be financially successful, um, this is how you do it. And and the subtitle is "Create the life you desire by managing your money." like you mean it. And it's really echoes a lot of things that we've talked about today. Being serious, being structured, being regimented, having specific goals, having a plan. And then putting that plan in place and taking action. And um, so I, I created just a, a step-by-step process that I feel like will work for most people based on my 14 years in the financial industry and seeing what people are struggling with and what their challenges are. I really do truly believe if they'll sit down, read the book, uh, take my advice. Uh, put the put the advice in action, I, I think they'll see the results that they're looking for.
1: All right. And in terms of the target audience, is this for everyone? Is it specific to young people? What are your thoughts on that?
0: You know, I think it's a little more skewed towards uh, younger professionals out there. But I will also say um, if it's a, you know, perhaps middle-aged professional who feels like, Maybe they haven't taken care of their finances as much as they should, but they're but they're ready to get serious and catch up. Um, these principles will absolutely work for them as well.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob Wilson, a.k.a. Hip-Hop Financial Advisor, a.k.a. Bobby De Niro, advisor hey. at Wilson Insight, author, mentor to the next generation of independently wealthy, financially literate youth. Thank you for joining us on the Maker Podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much. The pleasure is mine.
2: Down. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. The fire that I spit got me wrestling broke the doubt. I ain't broke no more. ETA got me paid now. And I'm at my maximum potential. No I'm on wage now. My whole flow a grenade now. Every bar that I spit cut sharp like a blade now. Lost bras give me play now. Full of thirst. I don't hit a like surf from the wave now. I've been working like a slave now. My partner's a plays cause they try to lick it for a way out. My mama see me on the stage now. A long way from the days when I laid on that face guys I get high and I'll play that. Told my homies who know me we bout to be global. From the hook but can't stay out. I keep OGs with me half the time like T-Mobile. I ain't really hella social. My supporters, they know how I move cause they follow. Turn my circle to an over. Cause some boys like four quarters, they change one dollar. Holla. Young black a Probably could have went to Oxford. They tryna kick it like soccer. My mama's still trying to get me being a doctor. Never I told her, I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. This vibe that I speak, I'm on another level, that I spit, down. I'm on another level. So my mama her neck and fingers finna be free sure. Cause I go walked the deep and for all them nights she was weeping huh. All them till she was leaking uh-huh. Days that we wasn't speaking straight up Tell I hated to get his weight up yeah. Okuda oh, cool Noble passed but before he left got me prayed yes, up sir. That's probably why I stayed up Caught the rhythm and k My papa told me do right and angels gon' celebrate us Look. <laughs> I be crashing the mic but I do it for all of my dogs Whoa. Whoa. I remember when we stayed in Winfield and washing my drawers Oh the OG J Slim did a big cause he clapped at the laws. Troll. But from where I'm from, we here claps like it's round of applause. Oh, bars 3D like the dullest. I keep it real. For sure. My cousin say he bloody and keep the steel. I offended little buddy. I said be for real. Tell me one gangster that you know live with his Huntie Steel. <laughs> Boy, you tripping on maps. Let like the blood out your mouth. If you say big and back being bull one more time, you ain't trapping. You trapped every case. Bird don't sing. Some of them just death. Boy, God, I'm on another level I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. This fire that I spit get me wrestling the down I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. I'm on another level. This fire that I spit got me wrestling the devil. Turn up.